to worship you and to spend time in your presence. I thank you that you are a good father and that you pour your blessings out on your children. I thank you, Father, for your healing and for your love. And I thank you that we can come before you. I ask you now to just be enthroned on the praises of your people. Bless the word and bless the music in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And one of his love and one
pretty fitting that uh, you sang that song. I was going to read a passage out of John chapter 10. It's about uh, Jesus the Good Shepherd. Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling, does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Willingly. Willingly, he lays down his life. He, He had a choice. We have a choice. This is a... This is, this is Christmas, obviously. This is, this is the message. You know, the, the Savior of the world, the birth of the Savior. The one that did not know sin became sin for you and I, that we might be redeemed back to the Father, 
that we might have the hope of life and more abundant, <laughs> that we might be saved and be able to come in and out to pasture. He's saying like, uh, like sheep, we've gone astray. That's what a good shepherd does. He goes after his sheep, guys. He knows us and his sheep know him. I got to say, if um, I'm sure we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll do an altar call later in the service. But I just, I kind of, I felt it on my heart that uh, if anybody's here that's not a Christian, let me, uh, let me just ask you a question. Let me leave you with this, because so many people have, so many people have the wrong impression of God. You know that He desires that that He uh, commands of us all these things that which He does, but. He does, it's not like he's a bully on a hill sitting up there waiting to squash us as soon as we do wrong. He's the good shepherd. And he, he, desire, he, doesn't desire, he, he desires to rule over us, but more than that, he desires to rule in us that we also would lay down our lives willingly, just as he did. He's the example. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, let me, let me just ask you a question. It's in Romans 6. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Or what fruit do you have in your life now? What, what hope do you have in your life? Apart from Christ, what hope do you have in your life? For the end of those things is death. And, uh, Christmas is all about, uh, we, well, we, we get caught up in the, the gift giving of Christmas, but the only gift that mattered, right? Verse 23, I hope you know it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what it's about, guys. So, Lord, we lift you up this morning, Lord God. We praise your name, God. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. We love you, Lord God, and we thank you. We thank you for this season, Lord God. We thank you for drawing us close to you, Lord. And I just pray that every heart would be changed this morning, God. Every heart would be drawn to you see you in all your glory and all your beauty and all your goodness Lord God and that we'll be drawn to you and that we would have this desire and this hunger to seek after you and to seek after righteousness Lord God and I pray for for convicted hearts this morning Lord God that people would be saved this morning Lord God so we lift you up and we praise you Lord God bless the word Lord bless the worship in Jesus name we pray amen, amen and amen
everything that I need when you've already given me. I remember how you told me I could trust you.
Lord, we acknowledge that you are the great treasure, Lord. You are that great treasure that we've sought after our whole lives. Some of us walked in darkness and blindness and bondage for years and years. Some of us came to you sooner, but Lord, we all were seeking that treasure. Only you are. The world tries to replace you. The world tries to offer the things. But Lord, you alone are that pearl of great price. Lord, I thank you that you are the pearl of great price, and yet you also say that we are a pearl of great price, too. You gave everything. You considered us so valuable, such a treasure, that you gave everything so that we could know you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to just give you an opportunity, Lord, to, to speak to us. We've sang about your glorious goodness, and we've sang about how you called us and how you walk with us and how you lead us through the, the fires and the trials and the struggles, and you're always with us. You've called us to come to the altar. And Lord, I'm, I want to give you time to speak to each person we would make an altar right where we stand. You can come to the altar if you want, but where, where you are in your, in your place there, you can make an altar to the Lord and you can offer yourself fully to Him and you can open your ears, open your heart and say, Lord, here I am. I want to hear you, Lord. I want to hear your voice. I want to know what you're saying to me about the the situations in my life, the concerns I have, the problems, the struggles I'm facing. You have all the answers, Lord. I want to hear from you. Speak, Lord. Speak to us now, Lord, as we wait in your presence. Sometimes we have to look a little bit. You have to look to see where God is working. Most of the time, I think we see it after the fact. We look back and see how God walked us through it. Sometimes in the midst of it, you can't see anything except just your, your struggle. But God is always working. Thank you, Lord. thank you that you are the life giver and you are breathing life into your people right now. Lord, as we, as we just wait on you, you are breathing life into us. You are refreshing us deep, deep within. This is, this is such a busy, hectic time of the year. We, we celebrate your birth because as John was, was saying earlier, it's, a, it's the coming, the greatest gift of all. But we, we get busy and all the, all the things we're doing, Lord, I, I just want to remember that you, you are the reason. You are the reason that we do all of this. We're celebrating God's great gift to us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to rest in you this morning, Lord. Be refreshed in you. Lay everything down. 
come into this place to worship him, we need to come with a heart that's willing to lay everything down, all your burdens, all your cares. He says, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. God is here to receive all, all of your baggage, all the stuff you carry. He wants to take it, help you carry that load so that you're not just carrying it by yourself. He wants to bear your burdens. Matter of fact, he's already borne your burdens on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Let that word, that truth become alive in us, Lord, so that we will trust you fully, that we will lay everything down and let you, let you be God in our lives. Let you have your way in us, Lord, that you would change us today, right here in your presence as we wait on you, Lord, that you would change us from glory to glory. We go out of this place different than we came in. Thank you. good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. <clears throat> I told Tracy it sounds a little different without Carol, uh, but that's okay. It's great. It's good. It's all good. So, I had an old preacher when I was young, the church I got saved in, he used to say, how many of you would rather be here than the best hospital in town? <laughs> Amen. There's a lot to be thankful for. You know, we don't always think about things, but there, there are so many good things that God is doing in and for and through us all the time. We've got a great time this morning. We're going to baptize a couple of young folks, and uh, we, are, we are seeing the fruits of our labors. We sent, uh, sent a bunch of kids off to camp. They came back all on fire, and uh, Lorraine has been warting me ever since, saying, when can I get baptized? When can I get baptized? And so we're going to do it. And Christopher, he, he came down and prayed one of those times when Jeff and Coco were here, and I saw him a week later, and I said, how are you doing? He said, I just can't quit smiling. <laughs> so they have a real experience with the Lord, and so I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, they want to be baptized. They, they understand what it means. And so I'm going to ask them a couple of questions. I'm going to roll my sleeves up, too, because I don't want to get dunked with them too much. So <clears throat> you guys have committed yourselves to the Lord, and, uh, and so by His grace, you are going to agree to walk with the Lord all the days of your life and be obedient and love Him and serve Him, and you're going to do your best to do the things that He's called you to do. Amen? Amen. So they've given themselves to the Lord. And now they're going to follow him in water baptism. And you understand that that signifies we are agreeing with him in his death, his burial, his resurrection. And I'm expecting that you guys are going to experience something significant in your lives today as we do this. So which one of you is first? Come on, all right, come on, Lorena. Ladies first, there you go. So just step over there. Let me hold your hand maybe a little bit so you don't fall in. There you go. Not too bad. Turn around this way. There you go. Right like this. All right. So sit down. <clears throat> All right. We're just going to lean you back. So you can hold your nose or I'll help you hold it or whatever. All right. So 
in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ and a profession of your faith in him. Now, my sister, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried with him in baptism, raised up in the newness of life. Amen? Amen. That water's a little chilly, isn't it? That'd make you come alive, though, huh? There you go. All right, Chris, you're next. And you can go on out and, and change now. Yeah, just step on over there. There you go. That'll light you up. Woohoo! It'll feel better once you get all the way in. All right, sit down there. There you go. There you go. It's okay. So, uh, in obedience to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in Him, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ, raised to the newness of life. Amen. <laughs> All right. Amen. <clears throat> so that's part of uh, part of what the Lord does. You get saved. It's a change. There needs to be a change. And I am so glad that young people want to be baptized in water. They want to make a profession of their faith to the entire congregation and to the whole world. You know, in, in other countries, whether it's uh, largely Muslim or Islam, when you get baptized, you can, you can proclaim Jesus as your Savior, but if you get baptized in water, they'll shun you, and they will reject you, and they'll try to kill you and everything else. There is something that happens in the spiritual realm when you're water baptized. It breaks, it breaks things, and it sets you loose. So praise the Lord. Calling all children, children to the Christmas tree. Come on up. All the kiddos, come on up here to the Christmas tree. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Good morning. Okay. Does anybody know what's coming up? Christmas. Christmas. Are you so excited? You are? Well, we've been talking for the past couple of Sundays about some really, really important things. We've been talking about the hope that we find in Jesus and the peace that we find in Jesus and the joy that we find in Jesus. And today we're going to talk about a really big one. Are you ready? We're going to talk about love. Raise your hand if you love pizza. Yeah? Raise your hand if you love... You do? Yeah? Raise your hand if you love playing outside. Yeah. Raise your hand if you love your best friend. What about if you love mama and daddy? Yeah. And guacamole? You love guacamole? I get that. I understand that. Yeah. Well, so I want you to think about the thing that you love the very most in the whole entire world. Think about it. Think about it and what it is, okay? Do you know that we cannot love as big as God loves? And that that thing that you love more than anything else in the entire world, that God loves you like 
infinity times even more than that. Right? So I love my family. My family means everything to me. Right? And I would do anything for them. I would do anything for them. And God loves me even more, and he loves my family even more than that. Can you imagine a love that big? He loves you so much that he sent down his most, the, the thing that he holded, held the most dear, the thing he held the most dear was his son, Jesus. And he loves us so much, every one of us, you and you and you and me, all of us. He loves every one of us so much that he gave his most precious gift to us. Yeah, can you imagine? The thing he holds to be the most important, he gave it right to us to save our lives. And so at Christmas, at Christmas, we're celebrating. At Christmas, we celebrate the fact that Jesus came down here to save us. He didn't have to do that. God didn't, God didn't have to care about us enough to do that, but he did. And so we're celebrating at Christmas time. We have fun spending time with our families, and we have fun opening gifts and eating lots of really great yummy food. But it's also really, really important. In fact, I think it's more important than everything else that we remember that Jesus was born and he came and he lived a perfect sin-free life to show us how we're supposed to be doing it. And then he died for us. And then he was born again. And now he reigns in heaven. You understand? And that is real love. That is real love. That sacrifice that God gave us, no, sir. That sacrifice, that's real love. So, who wants a present? No, are you sure? I don't know. Are you, like, really sure? There's still two people over here that don't. Maybe we'll find somewhere for those. Just kidding. Let's go get some presents. How about we pray for all the folks that are going to be traveling this week? Lord, thank you for your protection and your care over your people. We ask that you watch over and give us uh, safe travel, coming and going for all those that uh, are part of our families, those who will be traveling, even those in our community that we don't even know. Lord, I pray that you would protect and watch over people as they travel this week. Let this be a season of joy and excitement and no sorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... We've been uh, talking about knowing God, and we've talked about uh, several different ways that, you know, the compound names of the Lord. There's really, there's seven names that everybody talks about. There's, there's actually a lot more names that God has revealed himself by, but um, we've talked about uh, Jehovah Jireh being our provider, Jehovah Nisi, our banner, Jehovah Roy, our shepherd, uh, Jehovah Shalom, our peace. And today we're going to talk about uh, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Tzedek. And I'm probably not going to be extremely profound this morning. I'm not going to try to give you all kinds of you know, glorious, wonderful information. I just want to share some basic stuff from the scripture that I think will be meaningful to you because my attitude is, if, if God speaks to me and shows me things, then it's probably going to be good for you, too. So, as the Lord leads me and guides me and teaches me, 
then I'm going to share those things with you. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Our, our text is Jeremiah 23. And I'm going to read the first eight verses because it gives you the whole, the whole context for what God is saying. Verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord, but I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them, bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sedek. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all of the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. So I think it's pretty significant. The Lord makes multiple references to, to other ways that he's revealed himself and to other things that uh, he has done and will do. And he, at the end of that, he says, you know, you used to say, blessed be you know, God who delivered us from Egypt. But he said, I'm going to do something even better than that. It's a new thing. It's going to be even different and better than that because I'm going to bring you back from all the places that you were scattered to because of your sin and you're going to dwell in the land again. And I just suggest to you that that's what it means to us. I mean, we're not Israel. We're grafted in, but we're not Israel. We don't replace them. We can't replace them. But we have something special available to us as God's people because for all these thousands of years before the time of Christ, there was only one way you could come to know him, and it was through joining up with the people of, of God, the Israelites, and you had, to, you had to agree to live according to those rules and guidelines. Now, that's all available to, to, us, uh, to us through Christ. And he wants to make us a dwelling place for himself. We are supposed to be the temple of the Lord. We're supposed to be a place that he can come and dwell. And that was never available to the children of Israel. He had a temple in their camp, but the average person couldn't go right in there and dwell with God. God was there. They could see that he was there near them, but his presence was restricted because of a veil. And Jesus came, gave himself, and Hebrews tells us that he made a new and living way through the veil, which is his flesh. And so when Christ died, was crucified, when it, when it was over, and he said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, John said earlier this morning, he freely gave it. No one took it from him. He freely gave it. And he actually, as he was dying, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He gave it freely. And when he did that, 
The veil in the temple was torn top to bottom into signifying that now we have free access into the very presence of God, into the throne of God, where we can go with boldness, not proud, but with confidence, knowing that he hears us and he'll answer our prayers and that we'll have the things that we desire of him when we put our trust and faith in him. And when we come to him, we know that he will not refuse us because God doesn't refuse you. When you come to him, he receives you. Jesus offered that to everyone. He said, come, all you who are weary and heavy laboring, and come, and I'll give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls. Come. He offers it to everyone. Not everyone responds, but he offers it to everyone. And those who do respond, he doesn't say, oh, no, you're not good enough. Oh, no, you're not smart enough. Oh, no, you're too old. Oh, no, you're too young. No, you're ugly. You know, whatever. When you come to the Lord, he says, in no way, no way will he reject you or refuse you. You don't get a promise like that from anybody else. Nobody in the world makes that kind of a promise. They may say, their advertising may say, you know, we're non-discriminatory and we receive everybody, but then when you start really getting down to it, you know, maybe they've got some things in place to protect them from really receiving the people they don't like. You ever experienced rejection? It hurts. Jesus knows about your rejection. He knows about your pain and sorrow because he experienced every bit of it. Imagine how he must have felt coming to give himself for us, the people that God had called and chosen, the people God had demonstrated his love and power for, for centuries and centuries and centuries, and he came to die for them, and they said, nah, not so much. You, don't, you know, you're not really who you say you are. You're, you're doing all these things by the power of the devil. Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to suffer. And because of that, he can help us, and he can deal with us when we go through difficulties. And when we suffer, he knows how to comfort us because God is the God of all comfort. It's very, it's, it's very encouraging to know that he's not some bigwig that doesn't care about all of us little peons. He wants to be intimately involved in our lives, every one of us, big or little, old, young, talented, totally you know, untalented, whatever it might be. There's no <laughs> distinction. God loves us all. He loves us all the same. And, you know, the people who are preaching or the people who are singing or the people who are doing great things for God are the people just sitting out there trying to figure out how to make it today. God loves us all the same. That makes me really happy to know that I serve a God that is like that. He's not, it's not, you know, if you do all this stuff, then you earn your way or, you know, you, when you get to heaven, there's going to be all these 21 virgins waiting for you or we'll make it 63 if you kill yourself or whatever. You know, it's, he just loves us. He loves us because he is love. You can't earn it, and you can't overcome it either. His love is so powerful and so good. It is so awesome, we can't even begin to understand it. We can't comprehend the, the length and the, the depth and the width and the height of it. It's, it's just so amazing. We can't, and yet God is trying to reveal it to us because he wants us to know him that way. He doesn't want us to know him in just some one little limited facet. I mean, he has 
all these different ways that he's revealed himself to us. That's why he gives us these compound names. He reveals himself as, as our provider, our banner, our shepherd, our peace, our righteousness, our healer, the all-existent, almighty God. He reveals himself in those ways so that we can know him. He doesn't want us to miss one part of it. He wants us to know him in every way. Because then, no matter what happens in life, you will not allow it to over whelm you and defeat you, you'll know that your God is bigger. And he's got a plan that has already figured out all of the stuff that you're going to face. I'm glad. Because I don't know how to figure it out myself. I face stuff and I don't know the answer. I face stuff and I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that God is, is bigger than all of my problems and all of my issues. And I can trust him and trust him to know that he is for me. He's for me all the time. Amen. So, that was all free. That wasn't even part of my notes. But um, Righteousness defined. So there's three different words used here. Uh, an adjective and a, a couple of nouns. And they have slightly different meanings. And I, I just want to tell you that in verse 5, where it refers to a branch of righteousness, that word means just and innocent in the right. Characterized or by, by or proceeding from accepted standards of morality or justice. In other words, it fits all the normal molds of what is good and right and probably even beyond. It's just, it's innocent. And I think it's interesting that this is referring to Christ, it's a prophecy, and it was going to be fulfilled partly in Israel and Judah being restored to their land, but it was ultimately fulfilled in Christ coming and dying on the cross, and then it will finally be fulfilled when he restores the kingdom to earth and we rule and reign with him forever. That's when it's going to be fully fulfilled. But there are pieces of this prophecy that are being fulfilled along the way. And so... Isn't it interesting, that word righteousness, one of the meanings is innocent. And Jesus came as a, a perfect, innocent lamb to be sacrificed. Righteousness. That righteousness, the branch of righteousness, is, it reflects that he is just, he's innocent, and he fulfills all of the standards of morality, of justice, or, or honesty, any of those things. And then in the second part of uh, verse 5, there's another word that's used, and it, it primarily means honesty, justice, justness, and community loyalty. It's uh, an adherence to what is required according to a standard. So it's, they're very similar. They come from some of the same root words. And then the third word is in verse 6. It is accuracy, or what is correct. It's the right thing. Not the right stuff, but the right thing. But Jesus was the right stuff, too. He had the right stuff, didn't he? Because he fulfilled everything. That's, that's the bottom line. I mean, I'm going to say a bunch of other stuff, but when it's all said and done, this is what you need to know. That Jesus was God's representation of righteousness in the flesh. He came. He was innocent. He was just. He was 
He was accurate to all that he should have been. He portrayed God just as he should have been portrayed. He never sinned. He never failed. He never let anyone down. He did everything the way that he should have. And what he did was right. It was right because he did it. Everything he did was right because he did it. And we know he couldn't do anything except what is right because he was right. And he does what's right. And he wants to do that in our lives. He wants to make things right in our life. He came to reconcile. In other words, that, that reconcile, that is a, it's an accounting term. It's a bookkeeping term. It's to balance the books. He came to make everything right. We're debt, but now we're debt free. There was no hope that we could pay the debt, but he paid the debt for us. Our, we were down. We were in the, in the red, but now we're in the black. He balanced the books. He reconciled it. He took all of our misery, all of our guilt and shame, our sin, our failures, our brokenness, and he turned it in to life and liberty and happiness and prosperity. And I'm not preaching the gospel of prosperity, but I am preaching the fact that God came to give us life more abundantly. And it's going to look a little different for each one of us. We're not all going to be on the same level in our finances or our physical health or, you know, the cars we drive, where we live or work or the friends. or you know, I mean, we're, we're all different. And we all have different places in life and different things that are near and dear to us. And we're all pursuing God. And as we do, some of us are going to, have a little more success here and a little less success there. And, but we're all able to have an abundant life. The abundant life is being able to walk in peace, joy, have hope for tomorrow, and to be able to love and know that you're loved. The abundant life it really has nothing to do with finances or, or physical prosperity. It's got to do with your inner man that you are alive and you recognize that you're alive in Christ and it's all because of what he did and if you can see that nothing that this earth can bring against you will ever defeat you because you'll know that you got it you got it going on inside and all the stuff on the outside really it's temporary those things are not to be compared with the, the far exceeding eternal weight of glory that, that's waiting for us Amen. So, he was innocent, the branch. It's a shoot or a sprout. It's, a, it's in reference to the future. You know, a, a branch is not a tree, but, it's, but it springs from. And God said, look, you guys have been my people. I've called you. I've, I, had, I had my guy, David. I established him as king, and I said, I'm going to do this covenant with him, and he will forever rule and reign someone from his lineage will always be on the throne and this branch is the fulfillment of that Jesus coming as the branch the innocent righteous one and it's a future thing when this was written or spoken it was a future event that hadn't happened yet in verse 14 of Jeremiah 33 he kind of repeats what we read earlier but he says behold the days are coming says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. 
So it didn't happen immediately. And you'll find out as you walk with the Lord, a lot of things that God has promised us and a lot of things that God works in our life, it's not immediate. There is a sense of that. You know, when you, when you give yourself to the Lord, you're saved immediately. Right there on the spot, you're born again. But then as you walk with the Lord, you are being saved or delivered. You're being delivered from your old man. You're beginning to learn how to walk in the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. And then ultimately, we're going to be saved when we go to be with the Lord. And that may, it may happen because you die. It may happen because, you know, the Lord returns. Um, I don't know. But we're all, we're all going to end up in the same place eventually. If you believe in the Lord and you've confessed Him as Savior and you're walking with Him, however you depart this life or when this life is over, we're all going to be with Him. And that is what we all need to be working towards. It's not a matter of, of uh, trying to earn it or trying to be perfect. It's a matter of just allowing God to do the work in you that He wants to do. And we'll experience victories and we'll experience some defeats. We'll experience success and we'll experience some setbacks but if you stay the course stay the course God has promised that he will deliver you ultimately and the end result will be good if you give up along the way not so much you can't, you can't stop Jesus talked to the churches in uh, Revelation and he said to those who overcome there's a crown of life to those who overcome I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. If you don't overcome, if you just give up when hardships come, you're going to miss out on all the good things God's wanting to do in your life. So it's future, but it's life. <clears throat> Psalm 17, 15. I love this verse. I, I don't think I really ever, ever noticed it before. I mean, I've read it probably you know, a dozen times, but I just never stuck out. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness, and I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Just think about that. I'll be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Now, 1 John says, we don't know about it all, but we know this, that when we see him as he is, we're going to be like him. And that's what I'm looking forward to. We will awake in his likeness. We'll seek him. And we'll search for him with all of our heart. And he said, if you'll do that, you'll find me. And one of these days, we're all going to awake in his likeness. Right now, you know, sometimes it's kind of like I got, I got glitches in the picture or something. You know, I'm not really in his likeness. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day when it's going to be in his likeness. It's going to be fulfilled. I'm going to be in a glorified state, and it's all going to be accomplished. I'm looking forward to that. I don't mind this life, but... Uh, the next life is so much better. He was uh, the Lamb of God. John 1, 29, the next day it says, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus, as the Lord our righteousness, as the branch, he was perfect, he was innocent, he was the Lamb of God, he takes away the sin of the world. Um, in Revelation 13, 8, it says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have um, been written in the book of life as of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the very beginning of time, God knew 
what it was going to cost to have this relationship with us. You know, in, in my mind, it would have just been simpler if he just said, eh, I think I'll pass on men. But he didn't. He created Adam and Eve, and he said, y'all multiply and replenish the earth. And then, even before all that, he already had, he already had Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He knew what was going to happen, and he willingly still created men, knowing we were going to fail. He still willingly sent his son, knowing he was going to die, because he loves us so much, and he wants to have this relationship with him. He wants us to be complete. He was complete, and he wants us to be complete, too. Romans 6.10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Hebrews 7.27. He does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. And then Hebrews 10.10. 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. His sacrifice, his coming was complete. It wasn't a partial deal. It wasn't a halfway. It was complete. He did it once for all. He didn't have to do it again and again and again like the, the high priest, you know, shedding blood on the altar and doing the whole routine over and over and over. Every time you sin, you'd have to make a, a blood sacrifice. Once a year, they'd have to make uh, you know, the Day of Atonement and that sacrifice so that they could, they could be in right relationship with God. Jesus became the once-for-all sacrifice. It's complete in Him, and He wants us to be complete in Him, too. He doesn't want to leave us half done. In my family, my, my grandmother, she used to have a saying. She'd say, well, that guy's like a half-baked idiot. And, you know, I always wondered what a fully-baked idiot would look like, but... Uh, but, you know, I don't want to be half-baked, you know. I, want, I don't want to be half-done. I want to be complete. I want to be whole. And I realize that as I walk with the Lord, He is revealing things in me all the time, and I'm seeing there are areas of my life that I'm still not completed. i still got areas I need to work on. And so it's an ongoing process. That's why you have to persevere to the end. You have to continue in the process. Allow Him to continue to, to heal and change and transform you and as you're in his presence as you worship and as you pray and as you read his word the holy spirit comes and and he begins to change you from glory to glory you begin to oh yeah like we read a while ago you wake in his likeness a little more each day hopefully and one day we're going to wake up in eternity and we're going to be in his likeness completely that's what we're working toward but we don't have to wait that's what I'm so excited about is that we can have an abundant life now. It doesn't have to be a halfway crummy life now. Oh, when I just get to heaven, it's all going to be okay. No, it's okay now. We can be happy. We can be filled with joy. We can be excited and enthusiastic. We can be winning now. We don't have to be defeated because the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he leads us in triumph. He doesn't want us to be defeated all the time. He wants to lead us in victory like he is victorious. Amen. So he came to judge also, but his judgment is righteous. It's not like going at a regular court of law or something where the judge has his own personal agenda or his own personal ideas or thoughts or preferences. Maybe he's conservative, maybe he's liberal. You know, lawyers, I mean, they do everything they can to try to get their case before 
the judge that they like because they know it's going to go better for them. That's the amazing thing about our God. He is just. And he is for you. And so when you come to him to be judged, you can always trust that you're going to get justice. It might not seem fair, but it'll be just. Because he is just. Most assuredly, Jesus said, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. He shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. There's no condemnation now to those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, we, you know, we beat ourselves up and the devil beats us up and tells us, you know, what a failure you are, how miserable you are, how you're always going to be the same. If you believe all those lies, that's the way you're going to think about yourself. That's not what God's saying about you, though. God is saying, you're my precious child. You're a treasure to me. I've given everything to you, for you, and I've made it all available so that you can walk in fullness in this life. And on top of all that, you got eternity to look forward to. I don't want to. I don't want to be thinking. I just, you know, I'll be so glad when I get to heaven. I'm excited about every day, because every day is a new day that God is working in me, changing me, making me a little bit more like Him. That's what we're striving for. His judgment is just. 1 John 1, 9, it says that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He can judge us justly because he is just and because he knows exactly what we've gone through. He never sinned, but he, he went through all the same temptations and went through all the same trials and struggles. He knows what we go through. He's seen it, and he's conquered it, and he's given us the ability to do the same thing. He is faithful and just. If we just come to him, his judgment is pure and true and righteous. He's also, he's justifiable. 2 Corinthians 5.21, and you know, God is so good. Uh, in the prayer room, some of these same verses came up, and John, earlier, he was reading some of these same verses. Like, man, he's taking my, taking my passages away from me about I'm going to preach from. That's good. It's confirmation because he didn't know what I was going to say. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He's justified in calling us righteous because he took it upon himself to take our sins and make it all right. He reconciled us, and because he did that, he's justified in being able to say, you're okay now. It's okay for you to come into my presence now, even though I'm perfect and holy and no one is worthy because I have made you acceptable in the beloved. Now you can come into my presence. And he's justified in doing that because he took care of everything. That's what the new covenant is all about. It's not like the old covenant where we have to, we have to do our part. The new covenant, Jesus did our part and his part too. And we just have to receive it by faith. We believe. We walk in the, in the new covenant by faith. Jesus has fulfilled his part of the covenant. He gave himself for us. And he's fulfilled our part of the covenant as well because he's made us able to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. He did it. We have to learn how to walk in, in faith and walk that out. But he has done it for us. We can't do it ourselves. He is the king. 
Psalms 45, 6. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. He is worthy to be called a king, and he is righteous as a king, and he rules in righteousness and justice, and we can count on that. It's not like a king in this life that maybe they're good or maybe they're bad. Maybe he's a dictator. Maybe he's benevolent. Maybe he's, you know, like some of our presidents. They're kind and gentle, and some of them are mean and nasty, and some of them you can believe them. Some of them, you know, probably better not to believe them. I mean, people are subject to being all kinds of ways, and they ain't all good. But God is not like that. He doesn't change. He doesn't fail. He doesn't lie. His word is true, and he has good things for us as his people. So we can trust him to rule and reign in our lives and guide us. And in his kingdom, there should be peace, and there should be joy, there should be hope, there should be love, there should be prosperity. Isaiah 9, 6-7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with justice, uh, judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He is going to make sure that there is justice in his kingdom because he's the king. And who he is determines how he is and how he responds and how he leads. A king is supposed to judge and go out before you and he's supposed to lead you into battle. And that's what Jesus does. He judges us. He doesn't condemn us. He brings correction as needed. He leads us and guides us. He goes before us, prepares the way. He leads us. And then when it's time to do battle, he leads us into battle. And even beyond that, he says, you just, you just hang right here because the battle's mine. I'm going before you in the battle. You just stay right here and you'll be safe. You know, sometimes when we go to battle, you have to, you have to actually fight. Sometimes when you go to battle, you just pick up the spoils. And it's, that's, that's how God is working it. We don't have any control over that. We don't know how it's going to work out. So when the battle cry comes, when the trumpet blast comes, and it's time to go to battle, we need to get dressed, we need to get all of our armor on, and we need to go in the power and the anointing of the Spirit, and then let God take care of the battle. And we do our part, and He'll do His part. Maybe we'll get to fight, maybe we'll just get to pick up the spoils. Either way. We're going to be victorious if we'll go and let him lead us in the battle. He's already overcome. He's already done it. And it's right. Jesus is right. He is right. Romans 3.21 But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. But there's no difference for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God's 
set forth as a propitiation for by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is just and the justifier. It's all him. He's done it all. It was his gift. It was his sacrifice that made it possible, and it's his righteousness now that we enjoy that allows us to come into the presence of God and have all the things that we have in this life. He is right, and everything he does is right. He's also accurate. That's what one of those definitions of righteousness was, accurate. 1 Corinthians 10, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He knows exactly what you're going through. He's accurate. He knows exactly. Because he went through it all too. He was tempted in every way, just like you are. You know, he didn't have a computer, but he had temptations. And it's the same temptation, you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It's all the same stuff. We all deal with it. But he knows what you're going through, and it says he, he's made a way that you could escape. The way of escape may mean that you need to run away. You need to remove yourself from the temptation. It may be that you just, you know, you respond in the spiritual realm and you do a little warfare, but he's made a way, but you've got you to gotta use his way of escape. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on it. You're not going to escape. Hebrews 2 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Hebrews 4, But we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then, I'm going to have to skip over some of this. We're not going to make it all the way, and I don't want to do this next week. <clears throat> but I want to, I'm going to abbreviate it here for you. He makes things right. <clears throat> He restores our dwelling place. So in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they, they were dwelling with God. In the Garden of Eden, they walked with God. They talked with God. He was right there with them. They were innocent. He came down every day and talked with them, and that all was lost in the fall. But he is restoring that so that he now has a dwelling place. He can come and dwell in our hearts. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is with us. He wants to be with us all the time. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I am with you all the way to the end. And we can do all the things he's called us to do because he's with us. That's the hope that we have in Christ. It's not that we can do stuff because we're strong or not that we can do stuff because we know so much, because we've memorized a bunch of scriptures and we can spit them out like, you know, I mean, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's knowing it in your heart and believing it. It's not quoting scriptures. It's responding to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's us he's talking to, by the way. You were far off. You weren't Israelites. You weren't Jews. You weren't the chosen. You were far off, but he has brought you near by his blood. For he himself is our peace, who made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, 
the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. That's Jews and Gentiles he's talking about. Thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. He came and he preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I mean, we're all, we're all together. And you know, we can't be who we're supposed to be unless we're connected to some other believers. We need each other. I can't be the man I'm supposed to be unless I'm connected to you guys. And if you guys aren't doing your part, then I'm going to be I'm going to be limping along over here on my part. And if I'm not doing my part, you're going to be you know you're you're going to be doing all kinds of things. You know, this I'm supposed to be doing something different, but it won't obey because somebody's not doing their part. We need to all do our parts. We're members one of another. And when we do our part, we experience the fullness of all God intends for us to be. He wants us to be fully equipped and do the things that he's put before us. God restores our position. Our position ought to be more like Adam and Eve instead of who we are. We're not going to be perfect and we're not going to be completely innocent, but we're trying to wake up in his likeness. Amen. Wake up in his likeness. Be like him. That's what we're shooting for in Galatians. 220, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 2, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God is good. He's got good stuff for us. Eddie, y'all can come back. As they're coming, I want to read one last scripture. Isaiah 61, 10 and 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Remember the verse we read in Jeremiah? says God's going to raise up a branch of righteousness. It's going to be like a, like a sprout and a shoot. It's going to come alive. It's in the future, but it's also right now. It's going to bring life. It's going to bring justice. It's going to bring hope. It's going to bring peace and joy. When Jesus came, he wasn't just a little baby in a manger. He was the man that would change everything. Amen. He was the right man. and He was coming to make things right in us. That's what righteousness is all about. He is right, and he wants to make us right. He makes us acceptable so that we can have a relationship with the Father. Jehovah Sedek, the Lord our righteousness. 
you could probably study this for weeks and weeks and never understand it all. But in that passage of Jeremiah, it's, it's, it's got so many connections to other areas of Scripture. And the Lord fulfilled all those things. And he does that because he wants us to know him in multiple ways. He doesn't want to just reveal himself to us as a judge. He wants us to know him as the lover of our souls. He doesn't want to just reveal himself as a shepherd. He wants to reveal himself as our provider, too. And the, our righteousness, our peace, our hope, our joy. He wants to reveal himself in all those ways. That's why he gives us the entire Bible filled with promises and descriptions of who he is. And we worship him. That's what we're doing. We are describing him with our words. You are worthy. You are holy. We worship you. That's what we're doing. We're lifting him up and acknowledging him as who he is. Yes. Let's stand and worship.
Lord, we are holding on to you this morning. Lord, yes. you are our righteousness. Hallelujah. You are everything we need in this Thank life you. and in the life to come. Yes. We hold on to you. Yes. And I know that you have us, Lord. And when yes. we're losing our grip, you're not going to let us go. And I'm so Thank grateful, Lord, that you are more than we need. You are more than anything yes. we face. You are exceedingly abundantly yes. above all we can ask or think. You are our exceeding great reward. You're everything yes. we need, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank I thank you, you that you have it under control. Yes, sir. It's safe to be in your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you need special prayer, you can come. We'll meet you at the altar and just worship this last song. We'll do this
thank you, Lord, that you are still on the throne. Yes, thank you. We rejoice in you, yes. your goodness to us. And, Lord, I thank you for this season. Thank you, Jesus. It's a great time for us to all remember what a wonderful gift of life is that you, Lord, yes. Je Lord Jesus, brought to us. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to have a, a great week, Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, as we remember all that you did. Lord, help us to be mindful of that this week so that, that we don't just give gifts but we share your great love with people as well. Amen. He who wins souls is wise. Thank you, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. And may he cause his face to shine upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Amen. In Jesus' name. Don't forget our uh, Friday night service, 6 o'clock. It'll be a great time. If you need special prayer for anything, if you don't know the Lord, you want to make a, re a commitment or a rededication, whatever you need a special prayer for, it's okay. Someone will meet you, come. Otherwise, you're free. You're dismissed. You can go and visit and enjoy some fellowship.